It's been a while, friends, and I know we said that we were maybe not going to do another Star Kid musical, <laughs> but we lied. Yeah, well, I mean, we had to do the sequel musical it right just away. Does just it makes and sense? Also, I'm sick Gwen's again. Dying. She's been sick the entire month of September. I think. <laughs> I'm gonna get my inhaler quick, Alyssa. Get us rolling. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alyssa, and I'm Gwen. And this is Tea and Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. Today I'm dying, and Alyssa, tell the people yeah. what we're doing. Hey guys, we're covering <laughs> Black Friday. It's another Star Kid musical. Yeehaw! Black Friday is the twelfth stage show produced by Star Kid Productions, and it takes place in Hatchetfield again. But this is an alternative universe where the events of the guy who didn't like musicals never happened. So I guess it's not really a sequel. It's just like an extension of that world. Um. Music and lyrics are by Jeff Blim, and a book by Matt and Nick Lang. Guys, this musical is amazing, and I'm so excited to talk about it today. Mm -hmm. Let's just cover our cast real quick before we jump into the plot. So, Dylan Saunders plays Tom Houston, our main protagonist. Then, we have Lex Foster, and then a couple of other uh, characters, a couple of ensemble characters played by Angela. I'm going to pronounce everyone's names wrong. Yep. Giratana? I yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Angela. Um <laughs> Becky Barnes at all is played by Kim Wallen, Linda Monroe, Emma Perkins at all by Lauren Lopez, Hannah Foster, T and Tim Houston by Kendall Nicole Yakshi. President Goodman at all by Kurt Mega, General John McNamara, he's back <laughs> at all by Jeff Blim, Frank Pricely at all, played by Corey Davis. Sorry, Corey Doris. Sherman Young et al. by Jamie Lynn Betty. Paul Matthews Wiggly, etc. Uh, by John Madison. Really? I didn't know he voiced Wiggly. Ethan Green, Christopher Kringle et al. by Robert Mannion. The Homeless Guy, Uncle Wiley et al. played by Joey Richter. Xander Lee, The Security Card, and others played by James Tolbert. All right. So we've got a much bigger cast for this one than our last Hatchet Field musical. But oh my gosh, does this cast deliver. They're so um, good. I'm so excited to talk about it. Alyssa, let's go right yes, into the Yes, let's go. So the musical opens up with the opening number, which is called Tickle Me Wiggly Jingle. So it's the full cast. It's led by Joey Richter as Uncle Wiley, and he's singing the commercial jingle for a new toy, Tickle Me Wiggly, which is a fuzzy green monster who is described as lovable, cuddly, wiggly, etc. You just want to hug him and tickle his <laughs> belly. He's ugly as fuck, though. So <laughs> he's, he's a little green monster, and he's horrifying. <laughs> I hate him. Um, I do love this song, though. I do too. In particular, like the the lyric he's riding Santa's sleigh because he's friends with all the elves <laughs> just gives me life. So um, this song gets stuck in my head so yeah. much. Like it'll be a random Tuesday, and I'll start singing the Tickle Me Wiggly jingle. Um, for no good reason. Yeah. Literally no good reason at all. But I love this song. It's iconic. It's a great way to set the energy for the rest of the show. The choreo, the weird costumes. God, I love it's it. It's so weird. I love how it opens the show. It's like seemingly random because you're like, what the fuck? This is a commercial jingle? Why is this our opening number? But also we get to see how fucking creepy Tickle Me Wiggly is. I love the it's costumes. Like it's camp as fuck. It's accentuated, the creepiness and the hilarity is accentuated by all of these grown adults wearing, like, shiny men's basketball shorts and t-shirts that say, like, Wiggle Club yeah. or something on them. Um, and they're all wearing, like, antenna and these fuzzy, fuzzy arm warmers. And they're all talking in baby yeah. speech. Like, I can't get the image of Kurt Mega, like, doing, like, an oopsie kind of pose where he, like, squats with his butt out and puts his finger up to his mouth while he pouts. Like, I can't get that image out of my head. It will it will be what I see when I die. Um, <laughs> but it's so, it's so good. It works so well for this, like, stupidly stupid. camp. It's stupidly camp, and I love it, and I 
hate it all at once because I remember the first time I saw this musical, it's with it was with our friend Allie in our campus apartment, and I was looked over at her and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" She's like, "Just you wait," <laughs> and uh, it just gets weirder from here on out. We have like a brief set change um and then we see our pals emma and paul from the guy who didn't like musicals again but they're in a car they're driving to her sister's house and I, like i think the jingle that we just heard as the opening number was like on the radio um yeah and paul's like i do not like that musical commercial <laughs> and it was like yes paul i know i loved the callback <laughs> and then he talked about how fucking creepy tickle me wiggly was and i was like on point but um, it's it's Black Friday, and they're going to celebrate like a belated Thanksgiving with her brother-in-law Tom and her nephew Tim. I hate that they named the the, the dad and the son both like such similar names because they get them mixed up. Um, oh no! But that was totally on purpose it because was. because <laughs> Tom speaks with such a significant Midwestern dialect, like. You know that it was on purpose. They're like, oh yeah, Tom and Tim. Mm -hmm. Those are their names. That's a Midwest thing. Yeah, and I was like, listen, y'all, you're not wrong, but now I'm confused. <laughs> Help. Luckily, Tim's only here for five minutes. This is true. We barely see anything of Tim. <laughs> this is the first time Emma is seeing um, them, her nephew, and her brother-in-law since her sister's death that previous year. Um, there's, like, a lot of foreshadowing in Paul's dialogue about hot Black Friday items being, like, a mania and spell on people. We already kind of know what's happening. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't start the show with this creepy jingle for a toy and not expect us to, like, understand what's going to happen. So, like, his foreshadowing's kind of cringy, but it's also appreciated. Yeah. Like, I can't be mad at it. We know where this is going. You can stop dropping, dropping hints, but also... I'm buckled up. I'm ready. Yeah. You can drop wh wh however many hints you want. And it's also just, like, nice. Like, we see Paul and Emma again. We're like, oh, shit's going to get weird. Cool. Good mm -hmm. to know. It's going to be weird and slightly supernatural and something is connected to this weird-ass fucking green wiggly toy. He's weird and no Paul one likes him. <laughs> Paul also says to Emma, your brother-in-law is kind of a Scrooge, isn't he? And it's so iconic because Dylan Saunders, who plays Emma's brother-in-law, Tom, then goes on to play Scrooge in the VHS Christmas Carol that Starkid <laughs> produces, like, two years yes. later. And I'm obsessed. That's <laughs> foreshadowing right there, and we love to see it. So they get to the house, and Tom is cranky as fuck. He answers the door. Um, he and Emma, like, obviously are not very close. Like, he's very short with her. Um, but it seems like her and Tim get along just fine. Uh, Paul says some stupid things to Tim about how he and Emma have been inter Are intimate. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm her boyfriend. She's like, well, we haven't discussed that yet. And he's like, well, we've been intimate. And it's just like, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I love seeing him being a, a goober. It's the best ever. <laughs> also, I would just like to argue that if you are taking this man to see your estranged brother-in-law and nephew, yeah. he is your boyfriend. Yeah, I'm like, Emma, I, like, the commitment issues, like, checks out, but, like, come on, y'all be dating. It's official. <laughs> uh, Emma thinks she's here for, like, a Thanksgiving get-together, but, like, Tom actually invited Emma and Paul so they could babysit Tim while he goes to the mall to pick something up. Tim also was under the same impression as Emma. He wanted to spend, like, family time together. And then once he runs away pouting, Tom tells Emma and Paul that he's actually going to get Tim a Tickle Me Wiggly because he wants to give Tim a perfect Christmas because it's the first Christmas without his mom. He says, I will be goddamned if he does not have a merry fucking Christmas <laughs> and a happy new year. <laughs> so great. The, the comedy writing in this show so is so good. I mean, this is what we, we mean when we say that they found their stride in the Hatchetfield series. Mm -hmm. The guy who didn't like musicals was absolutely hilarious, but at times it felt clunky. Yeah. This show is so seamless. Mm -hmm. We're getting laugh after laugh like gut punches both because of comedic uh writing and also because of heartfelt moments like it's just such a well-crafted world the characters are well crafted i'm loving mm. everything about this show i specifically want to call out two 
hilarious quotes <laughs> that Tom has in this scene alone where uh, he says, I don't have flashbacks. I remember bad things vividly. <laughs> And then he says, I don't have a drill press. And even if I did, how would it fit in the sedan? <laughs> He's so grouchy. And I love it. Uh, I'm just screaming because Dylan is back. Love Dylan. It took, until, it took until this show, I think, to understand how much I loved Dylan and, like, how much I miss him mm-hmm. in Starkid shows where he is not present. Yes. Um, his performance is always unmatched. It's fully immersed. It's it's stunning. He's just Dylan Saunders, everybody. He's so Give him a hand. amazing in the show, in the role. And I think, like, one of, the, one of my favorite parts of the show, and I think the reason I prefer it to the guy who didn't like musicals is because I find Tom to be a very strong main character. Like, I feel for Mm -hmm. him, and I understand why he does the things he does. Like, I just think he has a very magical character arc, and his songs are just Mm -hmm. beautiful. Which is perfect segue to our next song, What Tim Wants. Tom gives us our first ballad, uh, detailing how badly he wants to, you know, please and impress his son, how he misses his wife. And he doesn't know how to be a good dad without his wife, and he just wants to make things right. And he is convinced that this Tickle Me Wiggly toy is the only way to get this done. I mean, it's it's the perfect I want song, yes. right? We talk about musical theater having the I want song, things like The Wizard and I, um, the opening number to the Goofy movie, mm-hmm. you know, uh... <laughs> They're songs that clearly, clearly explain the character's objective, what they're trying to do, what it is they want. And this song is the perfect I want song. Mm -hmm. Like, my notes just say Dylan in all caps. (laughs) And then they say, but also Jeff in all caps. Because this song hits so hard. I will argue that this show is Jeff's magnum opus. Because Jeff Blim wrote the music for this one the same way he did the guy who didn't like musicals. This show is a type of Jeff's music that, like, it's similar in style to the guy who didn't like Mm -hmm. musicals, obviously. They're set within the same universe. But, like, this this score is elevated. He gave the actor so much to chew on, and Dylan's just running away with it. I'm obsessed. I'm dead. I'm deceased. (laughs) I, his voice is amazing, as always. Dylan Saunders is a literal fucking icon, Oh, I love him singing an emotional ballad. He should always be able to sing emotional ballads. I yes. love the objective song. I love seeing his objective so clearly. Maybe it's because the concept of objectives have, has just been beaten into us at this point. But I love that it's crystal fucking clear. And Jeff left no crumbs with the writing of the song and the rest of the score. Just like everything is beautiful. It's a... 100 out of 10. So Tom gets to the toy zone at the mall and he runs into a former student of his, Lex, and we find out that he was her shop teacher and like the only reason her GPA was being raised and then um, he had to quit after Jane's death. And Lex blames him for her flunking out of school, which is not fair of her, which she literally said that. I was like, um, Lex, his wife died, so I think it's valid. So... It is valid, but Lex is also, like, a 17-year-old girl. This is true. And she angsty as fuck, and her home life, not great. Is garbage. Yeah, her mom's, like, an which, alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, which is how we get to our next song. Yeah, California M.I.A. Lex's boyfriend, Ethan, brings her little sister, Hannah, to see her at work, and then they have this big plot where they're going to sell one of the Wiggly dolls and use the money to get the three of them to California and, like, leave Lex and... Lex's like mom behind um Ethan and Lex have a great rhythm with Hannah and they seem to like all really love each other it's cute as fuck um then they had a wiggly in Hannah's backpack yeah I just want to say that my mom's bitch (laughs) is the most iconic way to start a song it's the best way a song has ever been started I love to see it uh I also love to see all of Hannah's dance moves throughout the entire show I love her um and in this song especially, she's just bopping she's a great like no one else could bop. I love, I love Hannah. The ad-libs we get throughout this song, and I mean throughout the show, but especially in this song, are also stellar. Lex has two really great ones where she says, that's not how cameras work, <laughs> babe, while Ethan's like pretending to take a picture of her. And then later, Ethan tries to collect, correct her spelling, oh, yeah. but incorrectly. 
He tells her liar is spelled L-I-E-R. And she goes, we get it, Ethan. You're a good speller. (laughs) I just love it. I love it. It's so good. I really like the rock feel of this song. And they have, like, Ethan and Lex have really tight harmonies between them, which make my ears just so happy. I think it's a jam. She has a very rock voice, which is, like, not Mm. always my cup of tea. But, like, also, I get it. It's also a rock song, so I don't want her to have super clean, pretty vocals on it. It's gonna, it would be weird. Right. But in my brain, my stupid programmed brain's like, oh, this is different than the other musical theater voices. But like, that's not a bad thing. We love shaking up the yeah, genre. That's our stupid internal bias and yeah. internal critique. Yeah, and yeah. I hate her. She's the worst. We love different voice types yeah. of musical theater. I love Angela as Lex so much. I wouldn't want to see anyone else no, play her. I wouldn't either. I don't think it would have come across the same way if it wasn't her yeah. doing Lex. Put her in a little in a little keepsake She's box so and keep her close good. to my heart forever. I love her. Once we are inside the store, we meet Linda Monroe. She is the president of the Hatchfield Boating Society, and she tries to cut everyone in line. She is a rich Karen lady, and she is played by Lauren Lopez, so she is just dramatic and the worst human ever, but I also really adore her. She gives the slight Draco Malfoy energy we see in Very Potter Musical, but Karen, Karen-fied. And I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, like, bribes the person in front of her to cut in line. And when people put up a fuss about her cutting in line, she reveals that she wants four dolls, not one, because she has four children and she needs to give them all Tickle Me Wigglies. For, and she's better than everyone else. And she won't allow them to simply share one doll. Um, Mm -hmm. and she says to the rest of the line, I hope you don't get a wiggly. I hope you fucking die. And that summarizes her as a character beautifully. (laughs) All of her stupid liners, just all those snippy little one-liners, I was cackling the whole time. Linda, do you really think your children are better than everyone else? In (laughs) so many words, yes! (laughs) And this is where we meet. Becky Barnes, who is a pediatric nurse and a former high school cheerleader, and she really tries to rally the crowd against Linda, um, and Linda kind of bullies her and belittles her about her former husband who was abusive, and Becky kind of shuts up after that. And then we go to the next song. What do you say? We have a cute little meet-cute moment where Tom runs into Becky in line because he also bribes his way into line. And the company starts singing a song about the two who were former high school flames. It's a very awkward interaction, and it's very clear that they, like, have unresolved romantic feelings for each other. This song features a performance by my favorite boy band, which is just the entire rest of the male ensemble who sing a verse. It's so good. It's great. And the choreo for this number is incredibly corny, and I love it. I love a strong ensemble song with people being nosy as fuck. Give it to me yes. all the time. I I love how Becky and Tom are just awkward, and like they're kind of cute in the song. There's a whole little lyric about her looking at his penis, him looking at her boobs, and then it's like, she's looking at our boobs and penises, and it's a great little moment. It's a great ensemble (laughs) moment in a certified jam. Next song, Our Doors Are Open. Lex and her boss Frank sing of his greed and how happy he is to make all the money on Black Friday. Uh, It's a commentary on the way that America treats this day of spending like a national holiday when it's all motivated by money. I want to commend Corey Doris because he made us fall in love with him as Bill and the guy who didn't like musicals. And then he completely flips it around as a greedy ass manager. And I want y'all to know when he comes down the stairs singing, the audience erupts into cheers because just by the voice we're like, oh, he's here. He's here to win us over again. Corey Doris is here. Well, and the thing is that Corey Doris has been in Starkid shows since the beginning. Like, he was in the Very Potters. Mm-hmm. He has been around forever. Corey is one of those actors who is there so often and is um, so often, like, a background mm-hmm. character. And so for him to have this moment to shine amazing. is just, oh, we love to see it. I love it. I love him so much. Like, the manager is the worst person ever, but I'm cracking up because it's Corey and I adore him. 
the wiggly sales begin. It's like the fucking Hunger Games. There's disagreements about how many dolls people are allowed to buy and who buys them. Um, Jamie Lynn plays this really fucking creepy dude who wants to buy all the dolls and describes wanting a bath doll and a one doll to tickle him. It's weird as fuck. Um, and filled with the greed, uh, you know, Brank Frank begins a bidding war for the dolls. Whoever pays the most for a Wiggly gets a Wiggly. And it's fucking insane. Madness is unleashed. <laughs> Which leads us to Feast or Famine. The customers in Toy Zone fight over Wiggly dolls. As the frenzy becomes more and more intense, people are injured. And eventually, all the customers turn on Frank. Once again, this song is also a commentary on capitalism and the American dream. We get the lyrics, You never should settle for a lifetime that is handed to you. There's always a line to be crossed and someone to barrel through. And if you should find that you're about to get the short of the stick, take what you want, return what you get. Uh, this is a contender for my favorite song in the show. It's a good one. It's definitely my favorite song in Act 1, and I think lyrically it is some of Jeff's best lyric writing. Mm -hmm. And he does this throughout the show. Like like I said, the show I think is Jeff's magnum opus. It's so well crafted. And the lyrics of this show are so well crafted, but mm -hmm. this song in particular is just so so well done. The swelling of the music, the harmonies that he has written for himself, him st standing center stage and droning chaos reigns. <laughs> I just love this one. I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's a good one. I love the open commentary on capitalism in this show. Um, and I think the song does a really good job showcasing the wiggly mania. I loved watching people, like, slowly go more and more frenzy frenzied by the ugly fucking stuffy. Um, and just seeing the utter chaos we are left with by the end of the song. Like, the music in the show is just so good. Like, I don't have a song that I don't like in the show like everything's just very nice and has a beautiful flow while that's all happening ethan takes hannah to see santa claus is going to high school at the mall movie theater i want to talk about joey richter as the awkward high school movie <laughs> employee because he had me cracking up in this scene he had this like pimply teenage boy like voice he was doing and that was just it made me smile. He's so good at back. I can't characters. even replicate it. It's, it's too good. <laughs> you just have to watch and you'll know what we mean. But it's it's so good. It's He's only there for a moment. And I'm like, wow, the power of Joey Richter, honestly. But then Hannah and Ethan are attacked by the Wiggly uh, shoppers. And in the scuffle, Ethan is killed trying to protect Hannah. And she runs away, which is sad because I liked Ethan as a character. Tom and Becky then enter with a Wiggly, and they fight off the guys who killed Ethan. Becky says they gotta get out, um, but Tom can't leave without a Wiggly. He refuses, and then he is stabbed by the man in a hurry. The character named Man in a Hurry. And who then steals the Wiggly doll from <laughs> Tom and, and Becky. You need to understand that this character is just Jeff Blim in a trench coat with a, with a cell phone. I'm in a texting. hurry! <laughs> And every time he every time he has a line, his line includes, I'm in a hurry. So he runs on stage with a knife, goes, give me that doll, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> and then stabs Tom and runs away. I love him. Jeff Plim. What a master of chaos. In another part of the mall, Linda is now disheveled. She is confronted by a strange man who seems to know everything about her and about Hatchetfield. Uh, he then encourages her to admit to her deepest desire to be adored and worshipped, which checks out. Um, he promises to see her dreams fulfilled as long as she opens her heart up to the love of a certain friendly wend of his, who she has been chosen to usher into this world. The screen fades to black. Joey Richter as a villain is wonderful. He does such a good job. I love him just eating this fucking apple. <laughs> I, I can't figure out what the apple's about but he eats it in every scene i know and then makes an audience member hold it later and i just want to know what the apple's about is it just so he can look like more of an asshole i feel like i hope so i hope so i really hope that's the only reason i wonder i'm like why should it be like some little peekaboo hidden plot device that i just missed we then cut to the white house where the president White House. the white house <laughs> 
where the president is discussing with his advisors how to handle the mania in Hatchetfield, which is also happening all over the country, and he worries this may become a national emergency. One of his advisors whips out their Wiggly doll, and then everyone in the room fights over the Wiggly doll until it is shot out of their hands by General McNamara. General John McNamara, the hero man. we all need. Yes, which we fondly know from the guy who didn't like musicals. I love all the cameos. I love the characters coming back because he's a fan fave. We then go to Monsters and Men, where McNamara tells the president that on the other side of a veil of reality on this alternate plane is called the Black and White, and then there is an evil waking with desires to take over their universe, and he sings of the importance of standing up and doing what's right to save the world. In unexpected banging. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not my fave, um, but it's it slaps hard. Hard, especially when everyone joins in at the end. Ooh. Kurt Mega as the president is the president we deserve. Yes. I'll say that. I'll say that. Yes. The, everything goes silent, and then all of a sudden he goes, There are monsters and there are men. And I'm like, Yeah, there are, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, there are. I, I also want to talk about how absolutely stunning Jeff's headtones are with this song. This song is perfection. We start with those really pretty floaty high notes and he eventually just pushes it into like a really nice rock belt. Oh, I love General McNamara and I actually really like this song more than I expected to. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. usually it's like not, it's not what you expect like a major standout to be, but I think it's Jeff's really amazing singing that like perks my ears mm -hmm. up when I hear it now. I really like actually how this song is what closes out act one. It's great. We see what's coming. Mr. Ugly Fuckface is trying to invade the world. I, I feel like Wiggly is like Pennywise where if I bully him enough, he will just <gasps> like die. What's, what's the line from It too that Bill Hader says, you're a sloppy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like if General McNamara yells you're a sloppy bitch at wiggly maybe wiggly would just like crumble into a pile of ugly fluff the the thing is though i don't know that that would work no. because linda monroe who's chosen to be his prophet is so mean it's she true. literally before she slits a guy's throat says i've met god he had nothing nice to say about what you and then kills this man so like i don't I don't know if this, the Pennywise rule would apply. I can only wish. Maybe that's why he chose her to be his prophet, so he knew he, <laughs> she wouldn't bully him to death. He's like, oh, good, she's my prophet. I'm safe. No one would ever try to bully Linda Monroe. No, absolutely not, unless they want to get, like, torn <gasps> apart by her words. <laughs> All right, act two bam, bam. opens with a beautiful song <laughs> called Deck the Halls, parentheses, of Northville High. <laughs> We watch a group of high schoolers led by Christopher Kringle singing a song that is an absolute holiday peanut cluster of Christmas phrases and tropes featuring two elves in a locker. It's a scene from Santa Claus is going to high school. This song is a fucking masterpiece and I will fight anyone who disagrees. Jeff Blim has outdone himself. Never has anything been so beautiful. May I please read to you? some lyrics from this song yes please so this is a stanza from the chorus deck the halls of northville high tis the season of rock and rollin and we'll beat south heights because they're naughty not nice and we'll dunk and spike their eggnog jingle jangle hey chris kringle got ice in his veins for a reason and we'll beat south heights when the mistletoe bites and with our secret santa swap fa la 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 Amazing, 10 out of 10. Like, I'm straight up crying at the Santa Claus High School movie. <laughs> it is absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> we ended Act 1 with this very intense song, and this is what we are greeted with in Act 2. Mm -hmm. It is the campiest thing I've ever had to listen to, and maybe it's because Rob is singing it, but it kind of remembers reminds me of the working boy section of a show stop and number from the guy who didn't <laughs> like musical like it's the same level of goofy campiness it's what we needed it's, it is it's what the show it's needed it's a good pep in yeah. my step so um tom and becky rise from the auditorium seats uh where this film has been playing 
Becky had found a first aid kit in the box office and patched up Tom's stab wound, and they realized that they're sitting in their old seats where they always sat on their movie dates in high school. They reminisce about high school, and then they share their trauma. Tom shares that he was driving the night that his wife Jane died and that if she had been driving, the accident wouldn't have happened at all. He blames himself for killing his family, which is why he's so determined to get that doll for Tim. Mm. And Becky tells Tom that her husband Stanley used to beat her and other people. And one night, she decided to fight back, which resulted in him chasing her into the woods with a knife. She managed to get control of the knife and slit his neck, leaving him for dead. Dramatic. Oof. It was. It's a. It's a lot. Her monologue is so well delivered, though. Like I, I mm-hmm. listened and I was like, "Wow, this is great." Kim Wallen could slip my neck. Yeah, really. I was like, "Pop off, girl. This is a great monologue." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kurt Mega's a very lucky man. Wow, that's your wife, dude. What a national Way treasure. To go. He he scored. So then we get "Take Me Back." <laughs> which is a song in which Tom and Becky reminisce about high school, what could have been, and what could be now. Quote, Take me back in time to high school. Take me back when things were light. Light my heart and light my shadow to make it all right, because I already lost it once, what I'd already won. This song. All of Act 2 is banger after banger after banger, but oh my god, Dylan and Kim's Mm -hmm. voices, they're acting. This song is the second best Starkid love song, second only to A Thousand and One Nights from Twisted, I Will Die on That Hill, and when Kim belts, I'll never let you go, (gasps) full body chills, like jaw on the floor, this is the song. This is the best song, and it is my favorite song in the whole damn show. The vocals... Yes! Yes! The amazing, amazing blend and harmonies. Yes, yes, yes! Yes, yes, yes! I love the concept of second chances and the right person, wrong time trope and, and reconciliation. And this is one of my favorite Starkid musical songs out there. Like, I get so hyped and I get goose flesh every single time. Like, when I knew this it's was so coming, good. I was like, ho ho! Let's go. It's so good. So good. So good. <laughs> anyway, they make out and have sex yeah. in the in the movie theater. He, Tom's really um, hyped about the Santa Claus movie by the end of it all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> while they're making out, Chris Kringle makes out with a high school girl named Noelle. Yeah. He's, he's a menace to society, and we'll talk about it later yeah. when we talk about favorite characters. But anyway, <laughs> somewhere else, General McNamara is prepping the president, uh, President Howard Goodman, For his journey into the black and white. Wiggly is the enemy they are trying to face and the president must go through a portal to face him. They are trying to stop the birth of a new and evil god. Back at the mall, we get another song called Adore Me. At the mall, the patrons have become followers of the god Wiggly and are planning to sacrifice Lex and Frank should it be willed by Linda, the divine mother and prophet of Wiggly. She needs a Wiggly doll to act as a vessel for his soul and she's demanding that Lex tell her where it is. Lex tries to protect Hannah, but the Wiggly followers have seen Hannah on the security cameras, and Linda sends them to find Hannah and the doll. She says, quote, during the song, uh, quote, I demand your love and worship too. If I don't get it, I will end you, because I will be adored. I want to say that we come to the scene, and it's the followers calling Lauren Lopez slash Linda mother and mommy. This is what we get. And then, mother. 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 And... <laughs> Yes to Lauren and yes to Linda. Like, Linda's a fucking bratty, bitchy lady, but God does Lauren do such a good job with her comedic aspect. Like, her one liners mm-hmm. are iconic, and I love seeing Lauren play a vindictive bad bitch. This song slaps. It's it's so good. <laughs> um, I will say, hot take Linda's songs are my least favorite songs in the show. I just feel like it could have been, like, elevated so much more. Like, they're good. But I'm like, I want more. I know Lauren can mm-hmm. do more. I want just mm-hmm. more drama. I'm, I feel like they need to be super extra. So then mm-hmm. Hannah is by herself in the mall talking to Webby, her imaginary spider friend who has been giving her warnings about Wiggly all day. Ethan shows up as a vision from Wiggly trying to convince Hannah to give up the doll, but she won't do it because she promised Lex and because she doesn't want anyone else to be harmed by the doll. She literally pulls the Wiggly doll out of her backpack at one point and is talking to him and is like, Webby told me not to trust you. And the Wiggly (laughs) doll speaks to her and says, well, Webby's a stupid bitch. (laughs) 
iconic becky and tom enter and we get the song do you want to play they come in plagued by wiggly madness and they try to steal the doll from hannah by any means necessary whether that means force death it does not matter to them they just want that doll um and it's this like hauntingly beautiful Mm -hmm. like lullaby where um becky is singing like a disney princess and tom is like really aggressive and like yelling at members of the audience Because they walk through the audience oh, yeah. during this song, and he just turns to somebody and goes, ah, in their face. What I would give to be screamed at by Dylan Saunders. Same. <laughs> but in the end, Becky stabs herself with the tranquilizer and pins Hannah down, and then Tom takes the doll and runs off. The followers of Wiggly find Hannah and Becky, and they take them back to Linda. This song is hauntingly mm-hmm. beautiful and unhinged, and Dylan Kit and Kim are just so terrifying. And I, yes, you uh, know, this song is so creepy. But like, I also like I love Kim's floaty soprano moments. Like, I'm a slut for a floaty soprano moment. It's giving mm-hmm. Sweeney and Mrs. Lovett trying to find Toby and Sweeney Todd, and I really like that energy. I love Sweeney Todd. Kim's range it's so amazing. She is. She like belted her face off, and now we're getting these beautiful <sighs> soprano notes. Ugh, I. She's a goddess. She really is. Inside the black and white, President Howard Goodman meets Uncle Wiley, who explains Wiggly's perfect plan. He says only in America could Wiggly take root, and cites the greed it, the greed of America that is like literally sewn <laughs> into the fabric of the nation. Um, he sings a song called Made in america where he details all of the greed of american society in the end general mcnamara arrives to save the president from death but he sacrifices himself to do so this song mm-hmm. is fucking terrifying evil joey richter is one of my favorite kinds of joey richter but the first time i watched the show i was legitimately so scared they did just an excellent excellent job with this one it yeah like i really love the way this musical Un- unabashedly comments on capitalism and how it's infected America. Like, Black Friday is literally the greediest Americanized holiday out there. And they took mm-hmm. it and they refused to shy away from the issues going on in America and commenting on them in their sci fi parody sort of way. And it's like genius. Wiggly gives me the creeps. He gives me the creeps. Yeah. And I, like, the yeah. first time I watched <laughs> this, I had like a visceral body reaction. Like, I, re- I would, like, get a really bad shudder. When he speaks, I'm like, I don't like this. He's giving Pennywise, and he's so creepy, and Joey is so it's, creepy, too. It's the, I'm going to cut open your Pennywelly. belly well and deck the hall yeah. with your gutsy wutsy. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> but Joey does such a genius job on this song. He's so fucking creepy, but, like, I can't take my eyes away from the screen at the same time i also love the underlying storyline that uncle wiley used to be general mcnamara's superior like earlier when he's talking to linda wiley mentions that he used to be a colonel and then mcnamara while talking with the president says that his superior had gone into the black and white to fight wiggly before but was seduced by wiggly and went mad and returned to the black and white to serve him like it's so I juicy love and that. we never get confirmation of it but i love it so much too. it's so so good um and i'm kind of wondering if we're ever going to like get that story i would love to but i also know that in their hatchet field stories because like they've been they've been continuing to tell stories from hatchet field over the past two two mm-hmm. years um as a part of their nightmare time series that they do around halloween um and they don't reuse the same monsters mm-hmm. and so i think that that's just there for us to question and to think about mm-hmm. and i kind of love that Me i love too. that not all of our answers or all of our questions have answers at the end of this mm-hmm. show you just get to like theorize on things but that's really cool when i read that and i was like oh my god that's so true like mm-hmm. when he general mcmaron made that comment i was like huh uncle wiley Similar names. Interesting, interesting. I just, it's so clever of them. Back on this plane of existence, the president sends a nuke through the portal into the black and white, but Wiggly sends it to Russia. <laughs> Jump starting World War Three. Back at the mall, Lex is about to be put to death by one of Wiggly's disciples. 
And as she's about to be choked to death, she sings Black Friday, which is a song all about how her life has been worthless except for Hannah, who doesn't need her anymore. I'm sobbing. Mm -hmm. The first time I heard this song, I wasn't that much of a fan, but oh my God, this song breaks me. It's so heartbreaking. It's on par with When My World's at Stake from Trail to Oregon. I hurt. And the way that she doesn't get to finish her final chorus and instead we hear her choking to death, I, I literally can't. I know. To be choked in a toy store is a great line. Like, this is such a strong ballad. And I, I really think this musical is one of Jeff's best work. Like, every ballad is so strong and it packs such an emotional, like, gut punch. And it absolutely breaks me to see Lex realizing this is it. This is her life. Like, it fucking sucked. And now it's done. And the person that was, like, her light doesn't need her anymore. And she just have to go without her, which is depressing as hell. Then we get Monsters and Men reprise in which McNamara appears from the black and white and encourages Lex to use a power that she and Hannah both possess to reach into the black and white and retrieve his firearm, which <laughs> she does, and she kills her assailant. He then tells her that there is a warrior of light that she must free in order to save everyone, but then leaves with a salute and the call of an eagle. Lex finds Tom and confronts him about the fact that kids don't like dolls. They like Fortnite. <laughs> he convinces him that the doll casts a spell on adults because adults need fixing that kids don't. And the doll, Wiggly, promises to fix all of your holes, to like just fix everything that's wrong with you. Um, and so it's working on adults because adults care about that thing, yeah. that kind of thing, and kids don't. Tom then sings, If I Fail You, during which he reflects on the Wiggly doll and how he's been trying so hard to please Tim, but he's been failing him the whole time. He vows that it will end today, and he also shows Lex how to hold a gun properly. <laughs> I adore this song. This song breaks me mm -hmm. like Black Friday does, but the, th the thing about this show is that it's not about the big, bad, evil god. It's mostly about what families are and how we fail and succeed in our relationships. And those are my favorite parts about it. Those are my favorite songs, are songs like Black Friday and If I Fail You, which are about the the people that are with you and less about this big, bad, evil guy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. At its core, this is a show about a man who wants to give his son the best Christmas ever and a teenage girl who wants a better life for her and her kid sister. Mm. And I, it's, it's just so beautiful. Good. Like, oh. Dylan, let this man sing all the emotional ballads of the world, please. Like, this is beautiful. And I like another reason, like why I like these main characters a lot is like the, their what they want is like so simple, but like it really packs a punch because you're like they just want their families to have a better life because things have been shit and now things are really mm -hmm. shitty because of this weird fucking alien monster who's trying to take over the world and they just want to have a decent Christmas for once. And it's just literally heartbreaking to watch them go through the stages and realizing that my heart hurts. I love this song. Then we get Linda's magnum opus called Wiggle. At, at another place in the mall, Linda is about to kill Hannah when Lex and Tom enter with a doll and they try to set it on fire. But Linda screams at them so loudly that they drop the doll. <laughs> then she picks it up to welcome Wiggly into this plane of existence. They sing, he will wiggle, wiggle. Wiggly will wiggle tonight. This is my least favorite song in Act 2. Like, it, it's really well done, especially as a religious opus. Like, it's giving Catholic organ chant mm -hmm. choral gothic vibes. Like, I, I like how it's done. I'm just not the biggest fan of this song in comparison to the others. Um, I will say that there's a part where Linda keeps singing higher and higher notes, and she doesn't go all the way up the scale, and it has bothered me since the first time I watched it. I'm like, you're missing a note, yep. and I, I want to hear that last note. I want to hear her complete that scale and just sail above mm -hmm. all of the other people singing. I agree with that so much because it it dissatisfies me so deeply to not hear her pop up to the next high note at the end. This is a very weird moment, but like I really like the strong cult vibes, even with the weird floor grinding at the beginning of the song, like mm -hmm. and the weird moaning that they do. Yeah, it's just like it's weird, like sexual cult, and they're calling her mother, and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Okay, <laughs> but also 
Linda's being a fucking iconic queen, and I'm sort of here for the vaguely silly, also culty villain song. It's not my favorite, but like, I do vibe with what I'm getting for the most part. Then Becky enters and shoots Linda in the head. Lex sets Wiggly on fire, burning the mall and everyone inside it. And then Lex, Becky, Tom, and Hannah watch from across the street. When Emma and Paul show up with Tim to grab them and run, the world is in shambles and they need to get out of town. Tom tells Emma that it's time for them to sit down and talk about Jane as a family. Mm -hmm. And then we get our final number in the show, sung by Hannah, yes. called What If Tomorrow Comes. She sings about the possibility of tomorrow, but also about the terror that it could hold. What happens to today when tomorrow arrives? We get cameos from Hatchetfield villagers, from the guy who didn't like musicals, like Mr. Davidson, yeah. and the guy in the coffee shop who wants his hot chocolate. Like, it, it's super trippy, and I love it. At the end, the characters count down to midnight, and a nuke is heard whistling through the air. Blackout. End of show. Mm. This is my favorite song in the show. I don't really understand mm -hmm. it. It confuses me, but also, like, I get it perfectly, yes. but I can't articulate what it means. The, the whole song is almost exclusively them just repeating the same phrase over and over and over again for minutes on end, but it's so beautiful and haunting, and it's the perfect ending to the show, which leaves you with more questions than answers, and that's exactly what I want from it. Yes. Like, I really love the way this, this musical ends. Like, there's still some ambiguity with what's happening next, but I like how that's the point about wondering what's going to happen when tomorrow comes. And then at the same time, it still feels like it's a conclusion. I feel like we're not just getting dropped off at, like, a, like a cliff or whatever. Like, we're still able to, like, kind of guess and theorize what's going to happen with the retaliation strike from the Russians. And is Wiggly gone for good? Like, what's left with him? We're left with so many questions mm -hmm. that we get to, like, talk about after, which is perfect for, like, the sci-fi genre, like... And for, like, thriller movies, like, you, you you leave a good thriller movie, you have so many questions about, like, what happens next. And, like, it's genius. And I also love the return of the original Hatchetfield crew. Like, we see Charlotte with her little sweater and Joey as Ted, and it's iconic and wonderful. The, the first time I watched it and I noticed them, I screamed. <laughs> I literally, like, screamed and started cackling. I was so excited about I it. I loved seeing um, them again. <laughs> yes. I, I will say something that uh, just occurred to me is that we talk about how there are two different story arcs in this show. There is the, like, way that the show is about the big bad evil guy, mm -hmm. and then there's the show, there's the part of the show that is about family and about relationships. And the thing is that the big bad evil guy narrative is very, left very open-ended. We yeah. don't know what's going to happen there. But the relationship part, the family part, that's wrapped mm -hmm. up. That part of the show is over by the end. Tom realizes that Tim just wants him and he just wants Tim and he wants their family to be whole again. So he tries to, he starts that reconciliation process with Emma and Paul. Mm -hmm. Becky's going to be part of their family now. Lex and Hannah have a new family now. Yeah. It's Tom and Becky and Emma and Paul. Like, they are all a family now, and it's not what they anticipated at the mm -hmm. beginning of the show, but we still reach that narrative conclusion for yes. them. The, but then the big bad evil guy story with Wiggly is what we have questions about. Yeah. And I think that that's really well done to mm -hmm. give us a conclusion for one part of the story, but not the other. It makes the most sense to wrap that up, too, because I'm like, character arcs are closed. I feel so much better. Like, my brain's like, ah, it's done. Okay, cool. I'm not left just mm -hmm. like, what's going on with, like, the way that the guy who didn't like musicals ends? That's kind of how I feel every time I watch it. Like, it just ends. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's that's how it ends? Why? Mm -hmm. Why does it end that way? Favorite songs, Alyssa? What are your favorites? Oh, um, okay. They're all in, yeah, they're all in act two. No surprise. It's yep. Power Ballad Central. So we have Take Me Back, If I Fail You, and Black Friday. Just, oh, so good. I love a ballad. No surprise, two of your three are two of my three. <laughs> I also have Take Me Back and If I Fail You on my list, but then my third is What If Tomorrow Ooh, Comes. That's a close one for me. I really like that song. The Act One songs really bring a lot of energy, mm -hmm. and they're almost what I expect from a Star Kid yeah. show. 
And then the act two songs really just like reach into your chest and grab your heart and just twist it. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, there's something that I'm not anticipating. And for that reason, I just like sit there for all of act two with my jaw on the ground just going, wow. I know. <laughs> it's so good. My brain just like, it gets so hyped, like minus the opening number for act two, which is just a fucking weird ass Santa song. Are you kidding? I'm always hype about it's so good song. It's so good, but like Deck the Halls of Northville High, amazing, is the Christmas. Song. Yeah, I want that on my <laughs> Christmas playlist now. Actually, I have not made a mm-hmm. Christmas playlist. It's it's not even October. So, uh, so I'll say this: Starkid is going on tour this holiday season, <laughs> and they're doing the Jangle Ball tour, and they said that they're going to focus on villain songs and also they're doing like a concert version of vhs christmas carol which is its own beautiful thing and Alyssa, i need to introduce you to vhs christmas carol anyway if they don't sing deck the halls of northville (laughs) high on their jangle ball tour i'm gonna be so sad disappointed is an understatement (laughs) it's it's the jingle jangle ball therefore Sing your fun Christmas number, I beg you. Alyssa, who are your favorite characters? Um, I love, like, our main three, uh, Tom, Lex, and Hannah, and I find them myself connecting in them in ways I did with Paul and Emma. Um, I really want them to succeed in the end. I adore watching their character arcs. I also think Linda is an iconic bitch, and I love and hate her at the same time, but I guess <laughs> if I had to choose, like, one out of the three, I'd say Tom. Because Dylan Saunders mm-hmm. just gets me good every single time. Mm-hmm. I, It's so well done. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have to agree. I, I also love our main three, Tom, Lex, and Hannah. And, and Becky's tacked onto there too. Mm-hmm. But I like her less than the other three. Yeah, same. Um, this show allows us to know and sympathize and root for our main characters in a way that the guy who didn't like musicals didn't. And we've talked before about why that wasn't possible in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. Mm-hmm. But I just, I think that when you're writing a sci-fi story, you kind of need to have your characters be characters that I'll root for yeah. and that I can identify with. And so I really like them doing that again with this show. Um, I, I would agree with you. I think if I had to pick one, Tom would be my mm-hmm. favorite. I just really love his arc. Yep. Dylan Saunders just always, always hits the mark, you know? Um, also love the iconic nature of Linda, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. An honorable mention to Ethan, who was taken from us True. too soon. He was a gem. I will also say that Chris Kringle is a menace to society. I said what I said. That man turn is a is a centuries-year-old so, mythical so being. creepy. He turns into a high school boy falls in love with a 16 year old girl named noelle and at the end of the film she he reveals that he is santa and she's like if you're really santa tell me something santa only santa would know tell me what i wanted for christmas when i was seven years old and he goes a red bicycle and then she goes santa and they make you i know i Ew. He's a menace to society. It's disgusting. It's really, really gross. But then I think to myself, hey, it's like the Christmas-fied version of Twilight. I love all of the minor characters. Yes. I love Man in a Hurry. Yeah, I right. love Homeless Man makes an appearance. I love Joey Victor as the kid mm-hmm. at the movie theater. I love Gary. Is he Gary Oldstein? Is that his name? Um, The lawyer. Oh, lawyer. yes. I love that man. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm just stunned still that John voices Wiggly, and I don't know what to do with this information still. John Madison is just like a, a multifaceted American treasure. He is so talented. <laughs> I'm like, you really, we went from Paul to Wiggly. Look mm-hmm. at that range. So let's talk yeah. just some, you know, general yeah. thoughts about this show. M- my favorite thing about this show is... I mean, like, it's it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The score is amazing. It might be the Star Kid musical that I reach for most often, yeah. or I did before they took it off of Spotify. Oh, insulting. I love this show, but what I one of the things I love about this show is that it's so ambiguous. We don't know what's going to happen next. Um, Lex never actually found the hero that McNamara told mm-hmm. her to, 
Wiggly isn't dead. He's just slowed down. So what happens next? They, they do such a great job of setting themselves up for so much more content with Hatchetfield, which they then continued to do for, for the next two years. They did their Nightmare Time mm-hmm. series, which returned to Hatchetfield. And then they just announced that they're doing a third full-length Hatchetfield yes. musical, Nerdy Prudes Must Die. And I'm really excited to see what they do Neat. with that. This score is some of Jeff Lim's best work. Mm-hmm. This book is heartfelt, clever, and thought-provoking. It's it's one of Star Kids' best shows. Not just one of their most enjoyable, but truly some of their best storytelling and production value. I, I can't say enough good things about this show. Shout out to our practical effects artists who made a return for this show with all the fake blood and everything. And to James Tolbert, once again, for giving iconic and stellar choreo that matched the vibe of every single song he choreographed. Yes. Amen to all that. Like the musical is is so brilliant and you can tell they have like they've hit their stride with writing the Hatchetfield content and like like you said like in general like Starkid as a production company really shines with this musical. It's just it's so well crafted and it's such a beautiful love letter to like sci-fi classics and like the genre as a whole. Everything Mm -hmm. is smoother compared to the guy who didn't like musicals, which I don't give enough credit to because it had to happen for Black Friday to be made. And it's not that that show was bad by any means. It's just that this one's better. Yes, because like all the good aspects of the guy who didn't like musicals made it over to this one. But like with the refined, like smoothery of it all. Like I think Jeff really nailed the score of this musical. We get all these really beautiful heart-stopping ballads that... They make us truly connect to the, to the main characters. Maybe that's what we were missing in the guy who didn't. Was a connection to the main characters? Yes, with, that's correct. Yes, with like a ballad though. Because I realize I'm like, oh, I connect so much easier. I feel like that's generally though. Where like they're singing their face off and their hearts off on stage. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But like I think the comedy and the drama are really well blended. And the writing is so sharp. And we get, it's full of these really great iconic lines. And just their humor is like perfectly nailed down. I love that the ending has the same note of ambiguity as the predecessor. We really don't know what's going to happen next, and it's exciting to think about the possibilities, and I can't wait to see more Hatchetfield content, especially with Nerdy Prudes Must Die. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. It's going to be so good. Is it Zillennial Quiz Taking Time? It is Zillennial Quiz Taking Time! Whoop, 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 whoop! So today we are taking a quiz from Quote Ev called Which Black Friday the Musical Character Are You? Do you have any predictions, I, Alyssa? I I might be I, Becky. That's my guess. I think you might be <laughs> Becky. You might be Becky. I think I'm going to be Tom. I could see that or I was going to yeah. say Lex too, but I don't know if I could see Lex as much. I don't know if I'm edgy enough for no. Lex. I think I'm a Tom. Yes, I see that. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Okay, let's go. Fuck. <laughs> what the fuck? Did did we get, I think we got the same answer because we answered a lot of the same things. Yeah, we did. Are you also Linda? Yes. Monroe? I'm kind of trying yeah. to figure out how those answers led to her. Right. So the description says a funny but very vain character who becomes the prophet to Wiggly and tries to help build the portal for his birth. She might have a lot of bad traits, but she very much tries to make her children happy. I'll say this. Um, I've seen Honey Queen, which is uh, one of the Nightmare Time series stories. And it's like an alternate dimension Linda where we get like info about her and her backstory. Mm -hmm. And I identify more with Linda in Honey Queen. So I'll accept this answer. Also, we are both iconic bitches. We are. But like this was not what I was anticipating. This is not what I was predicting. Interesting. I'll take it. I think Alinda's an iconic bitch. Yeah. Alyssa, where can they find our podcast? Okay, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you listen to our podcast on Apple Pod- Apple Podcast or Spotify, hit subscribe and like because we want people to find us. Yeah, you can connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at T-Squee. Or if you have longer thoughts, go ahead and send them to our email, tandsquee at gmail.com. That's T, the letter N, squee at gmail.com. I don't know if I have anything that I want you to send me yeah, this week. I don't know. Like, what insults would you tell 
or call Wiggly to make him melt. Yeah. Like, yeah, give us your best insults for Wiggly. Also, if you have any prayers to Wiggly, I would like to read them just for entertainment purposes. Yeah, I'm purposes. very curious if you, if you uh-huh. subscribe to his beliefs. Like, mm-hmm. more power to you, but I respectfully dis- disagree. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, write to me about which of Linda's two children you think are fathered by someone who is not her husband. Oh, yeah. And who you think the father is. A a popular opinion among the fan community is uh, Gary, whatever his name is. Oh, I could totally see that. That that checks out. That Gary is is the father of one of her children. So I like that theory. I'd love to to have everyone else's contribution on who you think the other father is. Yeah, I'm very curious. Um, (laughs) Because Gerald Gerald only got two of them, I think. That's what Uncle Wiley says. Oof. All right, y'all. Stay hot. Stay hydrated. It's spooky season, so watch a favorite spooky movie and go to Apple Orchard and Carpet Pumpkin. Hocus Pocus 2 comes out this weekend. Ooh, yeah, go see that. See it from the comfort of your couch because I think it comes out on Disney+. Plus. So. Oh, hell yeah. All right, All y'all. right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Yeehaw! Bye. Bye.